feels fitting to end the year. Uh, this is called Empires of the Future, talking about the future. We're, we like ideas. Uh, there's a whole lot of ideas out there, and I can remember, I hadn't seen one of these kind of articles in years. And They have this once a month me. in the newspaper, the Wall Street Journal. Really? They actually have a, um, if you go to their website and you go down, you can actually, um, there's a section called, um, it's, it's called Future Something. Uh, okay. Not Future of Everything, but something like that. Like, it's the, it's a, it's a, I mean, they're always talking about, like, down the road. So they had, they had one while back about offices, how offices okay. are going to change. Very similar to the one we're going to talk about. Okay, no, I specifically mean this. I, I think this is the center of what I would call the futurist article. Okay. It is, this is called The House of Because it's like Back to the Future stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know, what will, what will, you live in your home. It's where um, something very, you know, basic about the place you sleep, even for people who are, you know, workaholics or whatever. Look, your house, it's it's your home base. It's where you would want to be, theoretically. Yeah. Um, it was so good about this article, especially. They're not grasping at for thin air ideas. There's a right. company doing something sure. with this particular element of the house. Yeah. So. Um, so it's called The House of Tomorrow by Michelle Ma, Kevin Hand, and Yan Wu, uh, Wall Street Journal. And it it asked the question, what are we going to do with our homes differently in the future? Um, he opens this way, quote, when it comes to home design, two attributes are likely to become even more important in the years ahead, sustainability and technology that predicts what residents want. So sustainability and technology that predicts what residents want. Um, I... I think we have referred once or twice to the Decadent Society by Ross Douthat. And one thing that we've dealt with, I think, as a people in the last um, maybe 30 years, I mean, think about how the 80s, how much talk there was still about the future. I mean, Back to the Future lived in yeah, the 80s. Yeah, it was in the 80s. Uh, but then we really haven't spent a whole lot of time dreaming um, happily about the future. I mean, people have talked about how Star Trek uh, had a struggle because we, we haven't been, we, we're not uh, always an optimistic people anymore. And uh, an optimistic future is the one you want to think about. But when you're feeling pretty pessimistic, um, man, the future is not great to think about. Uh, but then this article uh, throws out 10 possible things that we're looking at. And, and frankly, the reason I ref, uh, refer to the Decadent Society is because um, there haven't been that many, uh, rust out that says that there haven't been uh, that many rushes ahead because we run into this issue. A lot of it is just too expensive. Right, that's to why. Yep. bring to the residential level. And people drove the DeLorean and they're like, "Oh, this car stunk." Yeah. <laughs> maybe that was the problem. You know, Sting was involved in the, that car. <laughs> really? Yeah. So maybe that was the problem. The DeLorean ended up being, oh well. The future sucks. <laughs> just so, joking. I don't think I didn't even do that. <laughs> and, and that's been an issue. You know, yeah. a lot of this stuff has just been too expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it looks like uh, it's becoming more affordable depending on uh, where you are and who you are. Um, so. But then any, going back again, though, we talked about this a while ago. One of the problems was that we had the Concord, right? That we had the future. Yeah. And it was, yeah, too expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it got you from... 
from London to New York in half the time. Uh-huh. Eh, I don't need it. Right. I don't need it half the time. It's just too expensive. And and um, um, there's a lot of things that were, you know, uh, cars actually right now. They don't go any faster than they did in the 80s. Right. Cars can go 200 plus miles per hour now. They can go 200 plus in the 80s. Right. The problem was is that... Um, um, you know, it's not to make a car go 300, 400 miles per hour. What's well, not needed, and so some of the future pushes yep. just really kind of go. Eh, well, it's not really necessary. Right. I mean, mm. you know, when you're going past 200 miles an hour, where are you going to do that at? Uh, right. See, know? that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know, you're not going to do it on your highway, and you're certainly not going to do it on some back road. Nope. Um, so. I will show to the camera. I, I love pictures like this. I believe this That's was good. done by Kevin Hand. Um, and so this is a picture of mm-hmm. his conception of the house of the future. And this particular one, you know, is, is under the ground because one of the ideas yeah. is that you let the ground absorb. You do a lot of the uh, insulation, especially you know, on the roof. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that that's a way to have insulation on all sides, which is number four. Um, I think some of these, you know, look, I, I'm sure some people who are really kind of techie people are really uh, kind of into changing the home. This will be more exciting to some people. Uh, the first couple aren't that much to me. Uh, Airier windows, you know, more more open air space moving through. But then, you know, how, I was looking at my energy bill, and you're like, you look at like when the summertime you spend a lot of money on electric because they make air conditioning, mm-hmm. right? In the winter you spend a lot of money on, on gas mm-hmm. because of the winter. So it's like, well, I mean, if there's a way to kind of like do some, a lot of cost-effective ways of, for airflow... That's kind of interesting. Sure. Because they're talking about having windows like in the ceiling mm-hmm. and not just windows like on the side of your house. So you have different levels of airflow and they're on sensors. Yeah. So they're recognizing, all right, there's better airflow in this day. Our air quality is pretty high right now. So we're going to open the different sectors of the windows, let air rush through here and cool the home. That is interesting. Yeah. I think it's got to You're one of these guys. Okay, it's good. It's good that one of us is yeah. one of these guys because I heard that one and I'm like, I mean, I, I got AC. I got, I got, I got the AC. Window. I got AC. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's um, <laughs> some of these, I, some people are more excited because number two is similar light. You know, you can have yeah. more natural light. Uh, I love big windows. I mean, uh, when we lived at the horse barn, we had these big bay windows yeah. that you could sit in. Those are cool. Sure. And, uh, for me, one thing I have noticed is that. It's very difficult for me to um, assess this kind of stuff. I mean, I live in housing owned by the church. I don't have a choice in a lot of these sorts right. of things. And yeah, so, bring that up at a, a deacon meeting. I'd like for windows with sensors I, I on it that open, that open in and yeah. out when I want to be cooled. <laughs> you know, so, that might not go well. So some of this stuff, I, I just kind of don't let myself think about it. it right, kinda, right, it, right. It doesn't matter. The light thing is kind of interesting, though. I, I think, uh, you know, you have like a sensor on That kind of goes into details. I think you have a sensor on your arm, and so it knows when you typically go to sleep, and yeah. so the, the lights dim. The problem, though, is, is the teenagers. You're like, well, I want to go to bed at 3. Uh, I don't true. want to go to bed at 11. But the, the, but the, the house is telling you, no, you must go to sleep. Well, and, and this would be, uh, this is not in the article, but this would be the dark underbelly, yes. the dark side of the house of That's tomorrow, coming next which week. Which is, hey, that's a feature that you can pay, you know, extra for if you need... Complete darkness. Yeah, uh, it's like parental parental uh, parental uh, add-ons. Yeah, if you want light, you can have it. If you want no light whatsoever, that's also a thing that yeah. can be done. Now, I certainly wanted to ask you about number three. Yes, I think this is this is one of those ideas that I'm sitting here and I go, I don't even know what to think about this. So they call it room shifting, and the yes. basic idea is that um, 
So they do this stuff in New York in different ways, where like small apartments, you can actually they've created ways where they you can move walls and make uh-huh. bigger rooms or smaller rooms when needed. Let's let's say like this, people know futons. It's it's Nobody a couch. Likes them. It's a couch that you can pull down into a bed. What if everything was futonized, right? What if your kitchen could just be folded up? Yeah. Or you know your uh, yeah. your living room with your couch and everything could just be transformed into a gym type setup. Sure. Um, so this is the basic idea that whatever kind of your lifestyle is, that your home could be adapted uh, to. Adapted right? to yeah. it. Right. What do you think about that? Well, I do like the idea because I was thinking of. Um, uh, again, I was thinking of Hunger Games. There's a scene in one, of, in one of the movies, I guess the first one, where she wakes up and there's like a whole wall that's like a massive screen and it's like this nature scene and mm-hmm. so like it's very calming or you get like a beach scene and you're like, oh, that would be kind of cool or, you know, you can kind of like have this huge wall that can be a wall mm-hmm. or it can be a screen, right? Or it uses the idea of an office space, right? You have this office space uh, in your house and a whole wall can be a screen that you can use for Zoom or something like that, right? But if you're not using it for that, it doesn't have to be a whole wall that's just a TV that takes up an entire wall or half a wall for entertainment or for work it can be it, it can adjust right mm-hmm. it could be a wall or be i think that's pretty neat yeah i kind of like that but i get some of the other type of things like uh you know a living room should be a living room you don't want the living room to somehow become i don't know uh, a wrestling room i don't know whatever the room you want to use well, it for it, yeah but here's <laughs> the thing i mean um Having now, you know, my uh, boys are five and three, and having transitioned out of the just us as a couple living in a space, I mean, I walk around my house sometimes, I'm like, whoa, this is wild. I'm, we are now, this is all family space. Right. So the boys have their places where they typically hang out. They, you know, they, they like to be in the living room. They have rooms, but they don't want to be right yeah, here. Yeah, we have the same problem. We have the same problem, yeah. And so sometimes you're trying to watch a TV show, which is somewhat impossible because yeah. they're, you know, fighting with dinosaurs right there. But still, yeah, this communal space. And this, they're definitely, this this article seems to be written with the idea of, like, a single person living in a small apartment or right. maybe a couple who has their kind of hobbies. It's written more with hobbies in mind than with a family in mind, which is my first suspicion about this is that I, I like this article. But I would also like to read a second article where it's like, how would you transform life for the family? Yes. What would that look like? Right. Because... They don't seem to be going too much in that direction here. Yeah, because, well, that's kind of like, you know, the mansion lifestyle, like the Hollywood mansion lifestyle. You had these different rooms, like you have the bowling alley or whatever. Mm-hmm. But with, uh, with a new type of, of ways of adjusting rooms and maybe, you know, moving walls or ever, ever time, you, things can be like, you know, you can have like a room. Like, I can see a future where, like, it's like, well, do you have a bowling room? No. But we do have a screen that our wall turns into a screen, and we have these controllers like we, and we can bowl. Sure. We don't ever, I mean, this is, we have a bowling alley now. Or, hey, we, uh, do you have a room that you uh, hit golf balls at? No, but I do have a screen that has like this netting thing now that I can put up, and I can hit golf balls, and it's like I'm playing in Augusta. Yep. And I could see like a lot of that kind of stuff where, you know, um, hey, are y'all going to Paris during your honeymoon? No. However, we can turn our screen into looking like the Eiffel Tower and we can have a nice – I think you can kind of do kind of a lot of cool Lilios like sure. that. And uh, so I think there is – I think some of this technology will easily be adapted to family living because who are the ones who really spend money? It's families, right. you know, <laughs> trying right. and to so- – 
for families, probably the easiest way to extrapolate is to think of communal space, let's leave it the way it is, but then some of these peripheral spaces, transformable. Uh, dens. dens. Dens could be a whole new thing in the future. Here's one of the issues that I have with this. Uh, okay, isolation on all sides. That's kind of cool. Like if yeah, there's a green space on your roof, that's kind of neat. Okay, right. cool. You Greener can go up on the roof. Spot, yeah, yeah. then it's great. Um, greener concrete. Okay, I don't know how green concrete is, and I don't know what it has to do to become more green. That's not really... That's a big concern in cities because yes. concrete increases sure. uh, gases. That God, all, all for that. That's sure. totally fine. Mm -hmm. uh, don't ask me how to do it because I don't know. Yeah. Solar panels that blend. Yes, yeah. solar panels were ugly, and... And they were some way able to be blended in. The problem with solar panels is is houses like mine are surrounded by trees. There's no sunlight. I'd have to cut yeah. all of my trees down to be yeah. more yeah. more green. And people with in the green community don't want me cutting down my trees either. So mm -hmm. I don't know how to do, deal with that. The one okay. I thought was interesting, though, um, the garage thing is an interesting thing. Because, number one, I don't like the idea of driverless cars anyways. Uh, I like to drive. Um, you may not. You may just be kind of like, well, it gets me to point A to point B. There is a certain joy that I have with driving. Literally, I, my wife doesn't know this, but I did consider when we went to Florida, renting a Porsche for one day just to drive it. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. I didn't okay. do it, but I did you think wait, it. Yeah. I thought and I thought it more than a minute. I thought about it for a few hours. Maybe maybe next time. Yeah, right? maybe next time. So that's <laughs> so my idea of a driverless future doesn't excite me. And so, like, a, a world with no garages where the car goes seems so, so well, not fun. Because if you're the man who likes the car and you put the car in your garage, like, it... But I get... I, I Again, the idea that the driverless car drops you off and parks itself at some garage down the street, then comes to collect you in the morning, just that right there, just like, that. that's a part of the future. Now, hover, hoverboards... Great. Drive, yeah. uh, cars that fly, that sounds awesome. Sure. But driverless cars that collect me in the morning with my paper and my coffee on the way to the church doesn't really get me going. Right. This no number seven says no garage, no problem. And I just fundamentally disagree with that assertion. Yeah. Um, you know, this probably was not written with people in the Midwest in mind, but... Where do most, I put my truck? Most people I know who have <laughs> garages like them quite a bit. And I can tell you, as somebody who lived... At an apartment complex or two, yeah, and dealt with. I mean, I've had my windows broken out, but my my car sitting out there. This uh, this kind of puts an exclamation point on their first kind of qualification of what they see, which is sustainability. We'd like. I mean, this is them. I think saying we'd like you to not have a garage. Right. We think that that's a little bit much. Right. And it's like I don't know. <laughs> I, I I I like the garage. I think that anybody who has noticed the wear and tear that happens on your car when you leave it outside, it's from the elements. Uh, is one thing, uh, it, but then the other, I mean, having a workbench, very, I like it a lot. I'm not that handy, but I love to have a space like that. Um, so this is definitely writing for the city-minded yes. or the city-dweller. Right. The problem, though, I have this down the, in the future, I don't know if city-dwelling is actually the future. That's a great question. And I, think, I think COVID has proven that living in close quarters with millions of people is preferable. I mean, I think living a little bit further out. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if suburban living kind of had a resurgence in the next yeah. several years. Now, that doesn't mean driverless cars are the... I mean, driverless cars are going to happen. That's right. I don't know how close they are because there's still a lot of things they have to figure out, you know, with that, like, you know, um, there's a lot of, like, AI issues when you get into driving. Um, 
And uh, and I think I think people are still going to have to jump over a lot of hoops to figure. Right, I'm going to let this car drive me on a road, an 80 mile per hour interstate without <laughs> me touching. I just don't know how far sure. people are going to get to right. that trusting factor. But um, but I want to ask you, what did you think of the fridge thing though? Oh, uh, that this was is pretty probably interesting, one though, right? that I would say everybody could get behind. Yeah, so I think so, too. And one that, <laughs> like you said, there's some of these that were just right up to this. Amazon's going to have that soon, right? Right. So the, the idea, number eight, a fridge that fills itself. That basically... Doesn't you're, you're, fill itself like Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there's an idea. See? <laughs> um, but but the, your fridge puts together what generally, you know, you have and, and what the basics are, and then it, it go ahead, and when it... When it sees you have, you know, uh, just a small amount of milk in the bottom of your gallon, well, it, go, it just orders the milk. Right. And then your milk shows up, and boom, you didn't even have to think about it. Oh, the milkman. Oh. Wow, we were going a long way. Right, yeah, no problem. That's true. Um, <laughs> the milkman's here with the eggs, too. But this is, um, I think for a lot of us, an idea that you go, oh, okay, that's like a... That, that's just a good. That's yeah. something that I, you know, especially for basics. Certainly, there's something, um, where are you on this? Like, my wife doesn't like for me to go to the store because I'm, I, this is one area where I'm fairly typically male. Like, I always walk around and buy stuff. And it's not always great. <laughs> I, you know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, you know, they had this special kind of dark chocolate candy bar. And I, you know, they I haven't had dark chocolate I in a while. I fancied it. Right, you know, and I'm definitely an impulse buyer in that way. So I think I'm okay. I'm okay. I do a lot of the cooking here. Okay. So I I know the stuff I need to get, and I get those things. Yeah. But there could be an added on things. So I don't want to let go of that. Yeah. I don't want to let go of just the wonder. I mean, this is something just to be thankful for that you can go to your local grocery store, whatever it is. I don't care if it, you know it's just a as cheap as you can find type store. There's cool stuff in there. Yeah. There is just you know we have all these great by the way products that yeah, people for hundreds of years would have loved to get a hold of, and we're right. just able to walk around and buy it at a very right. good rate. So I'm all about that. But as right. far as the basics go, this is a phenomenal idea. Yeah, I mean when my orange juice is running down. Go ahead, please take yeah, care of that. This, yeah, yeah, that's go great. ahead. Creamer, especially in my house, creamer. Yeah, that's a big deal. You need yeah. to have creamer. Yeah. You know, you half and half with me. I gotta, okay. I gotta have it. Mm-hmm. You know. Or you gotta have even ha- even having heavy whipping cream, like if you want to make. We made like have you ever have you ever had like homemade, whipped cream, uh, or do you live in the Cool Whip world? Oh, I definitely live in the Cool. Oh, whip see, world. I, not only do I, I live in the Cool Whip no. world, me and my people are gonna yeah, use you, those you Cool Whip containers <laughs> for as other Tupperware. Stuff. For, That's right. For who knows? So it's got double. It's got double uses. But anyways, <laughs> but, but making homemade like whipped cream, like always having heavy whipping cream. If you want to make, if you ever make that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, pull that out. So all those things are are great tied to I guess a credit card or tied to your Amazon whatever. I think like Amazon will do deal with this stuff. Uh-huh. Um uh I think that's that's interesting. Even recently like um we bought coffee for the church and uh you can buy now on Amazon. It's really funny that this is happening, but I'm looking at, I can see your freezer's open, so I'll be right back. Oh you're in close freezer. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't it worry about it. It won't close. You uh, need a very special. I need a special. Very special. funny in this segment. Uh, <laughs> um, but you can order on Amazon now. You can order. So we order coffee for the church. You can order it on a, and it will come to you every week, every two weeks, every three weeks. And okay, you pay yeah. a cheaper price, right? I think that's beautiful. Sure. I'm going to need, we're going to need more coffee probably in three weeks. Right. And so it just comes. And so the idea that that would happen on a refrigerator, yeah. freezer, or pantry level or in pantry level that sounds great yeah um uh so 
The one thing on here that, okay, this is just, um, y'all probably have an electric stove at home, right? Yes. So, if, gas stoves are better. They cook better. Okay. They, um, electric heat doesn't do as well of cooking and, 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 and spreading the heat around of a pan. A world with just electric stove is going to lead to just bad food. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you talk to Gordon Ramsay, he uses gas stoves. Okay. All these cook all these all these like cooks, they yeah. use gas. Yeah. They actually have it specially put in so they can have gas stoves. A world of just electric stove mm-hmm. is a world of very bad eggs and this type right. of thing. So, so it I seems, it, yeah, number it was, nine was sleeker stoves. It seems very likely that would be electric. And, and yeah, it'd be electric because they even said like natural gas, uh, which is kind of like, this must have been written by Californians because they just passed a bill that they're moving right. all houses off of, uh, off of natural gas. And it's like, well, we're fracking a lot of gas now. We're we're selling a lot of gas. And so we're gonna, all our future homes are going to have no gas. You know, I don't, I don't know. That seems... Then we're going to lead to bad food, and then we have a huge resource of natural gas, I guess, that aren't going to be usable in right. stoves, which is a, kind of a pretty you know, normal way of using gas. And if you're not heating your house with gas and you're not using it to cook, I don't know what else you're going to use gas for. Right. So. Uh, and then the, the last one, I, walls that live and breathe. They talk about having more real plants in your house because if you have more light, you have more air cycling through, it's going to make it to where you can have this again under this banner of sustainability that you are making your own oxygen inside of your own house. I, some people, I, look, I, I'm happy about yeah. the environment. I want it to be sustainable sure. and better. I just I didn't get excited about this one. Because I can just do it outside my yard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is probably another thing in the Midwest why we don't worry about this. Like, I, we, we got trees. We got trees. They haven't got to our trees yet. That's so. right. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I grew up in the Shawnee National Forest, so we've got trees, okay? So we've got a story about the house. Then we've got a story about a guy who doesn't live anywhere. Well, yeah, that's, you, you referenced earlier how, you know, people uh, working might change. And this is, uh, I, this, this is guy, not this only different nuts. from where I have <laughs> yeah. been. This is so different from where I would ever hope my life to go. But meanwhile, this guy is doing it. And so yeah. this is called No Fixed Address by Nancy Keats. <laughs> it's a Swiss man. And, and it's about uh, a man from Switzerland. Who sells lingerie. Who sells lingerie. Yeah. And so he runs a, an online business. And he decided, uh, it, it's, he said that, that basically he and his uh, brother had to clean out his parents' house. 50 years they lived in the same and, and, and they guess and they lived there long term. So they had a lot of stuff that, that somebody else, their kids, had to go through. And I mean, I've I've had to do this. I don't think anybody's for that. But their response to it, he, he it it just basically fed him up so much, with uh, one of one of the things that I think we should all find questionable, which is our our quest for stuff, our quest to just sure. have stuff. Uh, and man, back to back to identity questions. That listen, I have a very large video game collection, so large that I can't play them all, and so I have questions that I need to deal with about what am I doing with all this. <laughs> um, so this stuff question is an issue. Yeah. Um, but he just said, you know what? It's going out. And he got rid of his apartment and all the stuff in it. Got him down. What was the number? 69. Uh, six, uh, 62. 62, okay. 62 of his belongings fit into a single backpack. This is, this is what's amazing. 
Alan Frey uh, lives the life of a backpacker. That is, they say, all 62 of his belongings fit into a single backpack, which he carries with him as he travels and lives in different cities around the world, a total of 53 countries over the past three years. 62 belongings in a single backpack. Listen, I, first of all, this guy's a traveler. Whenever I've traveled, I'm amazed at these people who you see that have just like the one thing. They walk off the plane and they just leave. You know, you're just like, wow. This this guy is, is that person times 100. Yeah. Uh, he only owns those 62 He doesn't do items. any of his own laundry because he stays at hotels. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't cook. He only eats at restaurants. He stays in really nice hotels, right? So he's comfortable. You know, It's not like he's li- like living in hostels or anything right, like that. Right. Uh, and so it's a little bit easier if you're sleeping on a pretty comfortable bed and eating pretty good food and, you know, you're getting your clothes clean, you're getting a nice hot shower. I mean, I'm not saying he's cheating. I'm just saying, like, it's a little bit easier to do this. But I found the part where he's like, he owns two pairs of tennis shoes, but then he's going down to one. And actually, he found a place that he could rent them. I <laughs> just like, what? Right. Right. Yeah. I had to read about that. And I, another idea that I kind of go, what now? Because he, he, you can subscribe to a service. I you think, know, look, people, there's yes. going to be a service for everything. And you basically, you never have to worry about your tennis shoes being out of style because every month you can just... 30 bucks. You can just, yeah. I guess, send them your old tennis shoes and they're sending you new tennis so, shoes. So, yeah, so new designs. So, and I think there are people who, you know, they want the new whatever. And so it's like, yeah, I'll do it. 30 bucks. That means I'm not spending 150 on the pair of shoes. So I'll just spend 30 bucks a month on uh, shoes. And after one month, I'll be tired of them and send me another pair. I, I can see people easily jumping onto that one. But the thought of like, ah, two pair are, not, are just too much. I need to just rent them. <laughs> yeah, you're a shoes guy. I am a shoes guy. Yeah, and I think, so. so like, uh, we're going on a trip to Florida. And I'm thinking about the shoes I need to bring. I'm like, well, I gotta bring. I gotta wear go to weddings. So I gotta bring black shoes for that. And then I gotta wear like everyday shoes. I gotta bring those. And then I gotta bring some athletic shoes to go running. Right. Yeah. And so you're just like you're just going down the list. I'm like, how do you how do you work out? Uh-huh. Like, what do you wear to work out? Do you well, not work out? Do you do you just use like a machine you can use any shoes on? You go swimming. Is that what your exercise is? I wonder about that. What if you dress up? Well, I'm just gonna wear these shoes that I dress up in. I'm like. There's just so many different like contexts by which what you wear is kind of important. But I guess we are I, I've made mentioned this we I mentioned this just recently. I said we live in a world where formality is losing. We're losing formality. Mm-hmm. So like you can wear if you want to, you can wear these really nice white tennis shoes with some pants and a shirt or whatever. And that could be accepted as formal now. And so like you can go to a wedding and actually not wear anything that's formal to a wedding, um, but it's okay. Yeah. You know, people are, oh, yeah, it's okay. You know, you look fine. Yeah, and this mm. is strange because in this regard, I, I guess I'm pretty on board with kind of this uh, monoculture idea that there's some outfit that right. is just what we're shooting for that'll do all of that. I could get behind that. I'm Which is that really what they're, what they're running for. There's shoes. You can buy shoes now. That, right. I mean, right now I'm wearing tennis shoes. Right. And you know, so. I, but you can I, buy shoes now, and I was look as I was noticing these like on DSW or whatever. You can buy shoes that are wingtip, with athletic soles. Isn't that sense? But they're expensive, because <laughs> when they they are as like a light, comfort, comfortable, but also the man can wear it to the office. Okay. And like they have these really colorful soles, like they're rubbery soles. They're not like a hard, mm-hmm. like wood mm-hmm. type of sole. Um, you couldn't have worn these in the 1960s. They're sure. totally like not formal enough. But now, 
you know, how can the working man like go to the gym, then go to work wearing the same shoes? Or how can the how can the man or the woman wear the shoes that they would wear at home in their comfortability, but also can wear them to the office? That is very much the fashion impulse now. Yeah. Is, is comfort, style, uh, and versatility. Right, versatility. Uh, and, um, and now, reading this, you get the sense that this is a certain kind of guy, and I think that's true. Uh, you know, they, uh, they they call him a digital nomad. It's just, yeah. And, you know, people, there's been nomadic peoples for years, and I think the impulse is still with uh, definitely certain kinds of people. Uh, and, and so it's not surprising that there, there are adaptations of this to the present. Um, uh, some statistics that I thought were fascinating here, uh, they say before the pandemic, 2% of Americans worked from home full-time uh, in jobs, so they were employed elsewhere, and then they, they didn't need to go in. Right. Um, but then... Uh, now, okay, this is what's funny. Okay, you got a professor at Stanford, Nicholas Bloom... He expects that will rise to about 8 to 10% of workers. Let me just help everybody on this. Nobody has any idea what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> this is all guess. A year from now. Yeah. I, I'm sure he's a very intelligent man. But given that this pandemic and the lockdowns in various states, things are dragging on, very unpredictable right now. I don't know how productivity is going for different companies, but nobody knows where this is going to end up. Yes, I do think it will increase. Is it, 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 that's his guess. Is that it just it depends pay. on what businesses... It's all about cutting costs, right? It's about businesses want to make as much profit as they can while also having right. low costs. So if they right. can... If they determine that they can make... they can be Their workers can be just as productive and they can be just as profitable without having to have massive headquarters and meeting places and workspaces, that's what they'll do. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll do that immediately. That's right. And uh, and so you'll have men who are used to going into the work, and they're going to go, yeah, yeah, uh, no reason to come in. Uh, we are getting rid of the building, and uh, you can just work from home. We'll send you the laptop. And, uh, hey, every every week you're going to have to get on these calls, blah, 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 right. blah. Right. And you may have to come out to the, to the head office once in a while, but, uh, all right, here's your team, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I think uh, it's going to be a lot of adjusting to that type of work because I think people – who are used to working out of the home aren't going to like working actually at home because it's it's harder I think to, when you I know for me like going into the church or working like out of the home is so much preferred for me because it's I, I'm outside of my home I'm outside of my distractions I'm going to do a job I'm working and then I'm coming home mm-hmm. when when the home and the work kind of integrate and intermingle and uh, I think it creates a lot of issues like oh yeah he works at home he can watch the kids it's hard to watch kids and work and do that well and this is going to be a lot of conflict and i think a lot of people are going to wish they didn't just go back to the workplace right and so i don't think a lot of them are going to be going to they're going to a lot of the workers are going to want to are going to go back to are going to going to be working at home kicking and screaming i think yes and so there's a lot yet to be figured out about this um but it is certainly fascinating to hear a story of one man who is doing this Uh, another note about this um it's always interesting to see what entrepreneurs are thinking yes Uh, and here's one entrepreneur story uh emmanuel gisset ceo and founder of outside they say which offers houses where travelers can rent rooms uh, is planning to add a subscription service called Live It Outside. 
uh, where members can move between properties in different cities for around a $2,000 monthly fee. So they would, I mean, in a lot of ways, I'm sure a lot of us have been to timeshare presentations. It's, it's a development off of that idea. They have properties. You stay at one for a while. You, you move around. Um, and so for people who want to move around, you know, look, our world is, is adaptable to that sort of thing. Yeah. And this, this fella is, is looking to uh, increase... His support. And I guess hotels are um, are doing similar things where they're trying to think. I guess the, the statistic that was that was in the article is they're expecting 50% of people staying at hotels will be kind of these digital nomads. People yes. like kind of traveling and not really rooted anywhere and they're just kind of living um, out and about. Um, and so I guess hotels are, are thinking about putting in a, a subscription type uh, where you pay an X amount of dollars per month to be able to say any different property or hotels, you know, at different wherever they have hotels right. and stuff. And um, I mean, if that's a way that hotels can, you know, make new money streams, like that's great, and the people are willing to do it. And that that definitely makes me wonder um, if hotels uh, could. It would seem like an adjustment they need to make is maybe knock down a wall or put in another door between rooms so that you have a little more space for, sure. for a family or, or whatever. Right, 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 right. Living situations. And then obviously the rate and changing, uh, making it a more affordable rate if you're talking about a two-week or a month-long period. And, and, you know, there are places that are like this that, that allow you to stay longer. But I, I, I think hotels have been struggling during this, and it makes me wonder if uh, hotels are making an adjustment in these sorts of ways. Well, they would have to have... I mean, they've already, they already have kind of the space for office for people who are on business trips with office space and stuff, but they'll yeah. have to have other things so that people literally could, you know, if they had to li- if they're going to work, say in a city, uh, for about a few weeks, uh, and they're going to work online or digitally, they're going to have to have like some, you know, some things that, that they can either, they need like whatever they need for the office, they're going to need there. So I don't know if that's another adjustment that hotels will have to have to be able to provide these different things, but, and my problem with this is like this is the opposite of like Wendell Berry, mm-hmm. you know, the man who's like it's all about the earth and <laughs> where your family first plotted, like all that aspect. And I and I am more on the Wendell Berry side than I am on this side. And I and I think uh, I do like to travel. The thought of going to fifty three countries in three years sounds exotic to me. It sounds great, but I think one of the, for someone who who's who's moved a lot. Um, Living in, in one place and, and knowing uh, everything you can know about a place, I think it's very, mm-hmm. very good. And I think uh, I think this kind of digital nomad, and he even says loneliness is an issue with this type of lifestyle. Um, but I, I think it's just, we are meant to live in places. We're not meant to, I mean, you think of Abraham, like the sojourning, right. that's, who was sojourning, the whole people of Israel were sojourning to a home. They weren't sojourning because, because it's kind of groovy. Yeah, it's a groovy thing. <laughs> right. it's not, you, right, that's just right. not, they would think, that Israelites would read this and go, you mean like you had a home, like you were a Swiss, and you decided to live everywhere and not live right. in Switzerland? Like, why would you do that? Like, your home is important. Like, what if, what if someone wanted to take your home away from you? What would you do next? You would probably be searching to get the home back. Right. And so anyways. Well, and, and on that, I certainly uh, agree that it seems like travel is the best when you have a home base that right. you're going to come back to. Right. That it's right. very enjoyable to go to other places. Right. 
but then to return to your space. And rootedness is a value that I've uh, come to really appreciate uh, as my life has, go on, has gone on. I think we all need to know uh, where we're from to appreciate, no yep. matter where you're from, what you came from. Uh, it's, it's a part of coming to grips with who you are, uh, is knowing where you came from and seeing the good that it has given you and maybe the, the bad that it might have given you and, and uh, you know, appreciating what you have been given there. So I, I completely agree. Um, it would be, th- this is one of those stories that I would love to see some more, uh, like some kind of a documentary about. Yeah. Because I, you can just know he's run into some interesting things just you know, I mean, because you have a big problem if you're in a place and they say, hey, you know, we told you you could stay here for a month, but actually this last week, we're going to have to have you get out. And, and I mean, yeah, you, you can't go, you can't stay here, you can't go there. You know, I'm sure he's had just some interesting times sitting in a lobby for, you know, a couple of days and kind of going like, hey, this part isn't so glorious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a, a uh, Michael Jordan, his last dance, he's, you know, he says like, you, everyone thinks they'd want to be me. Let me tell you what it's like to be me. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in hotels. Right. And to be honest with you, I'd rather have been home. Right. And I think there's, you think there's a glamour to like the rock rock and roll star who's like touring and, yeah. you know, going from city to city and staying and, you know, having these great, you know, having these, ho- these great concerts and meeting all these interesting people. Then you just go to a hotel. Right, and then you, you know get thrust, and you get thrust into another hotel, and actually, you're not allowed to just roam the streets. Actually, your manager and your people they put you in the room and say you stay right here until we bring you to the concert, and right. then after the concert, eh, we'll let you party and do your deal there. But then we're going to take you, we're going to take you right back to your hotel room uh, because you remember you don't want you don't want a bunch of fans like flocking over you or anything. Right. We don't want you to be like, basically pulling parts off of you. So we'll just take you back to us where it's safe and you'll be comfortable and you can go to sleep or do whatever you want and you can have your privacy but that's if you get all that's all you get is hotel to hotel hotel like you have no home you have no people that you know they don't really care that you're a rock star and i don't care you're just johnny to me right Mm -hmm. you know it's like 22 hours of uh buses and uh hotel rooms and and yeah room service but uh for for the two hours of glory and and certainly those of us go live that life it's very easy to forget about that other section. Yeah, there's that ICDC song. It, it's a it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. And it's like this is what it's like to be a rock and roll. You know, it's just it's a lot of stuff, and it seems all glamorous, but really, in the end of the day, it's just it's work, and yeah. there's a lot of bad stuff about it. And um, so I don't know. This guy seems like he's maybe has this exciting life where he's going off to all these exciting places, but at the end of the day, it's got to be pretty lonely. Yeah. So. Yep. There's the future. It's going to be lonely. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. <laughs> so, all right. All right. That's good. it. All right. Well, uh, for you online, you got to watch a lot and listen to a lot. But on, on the podcast, this will be two separate episodes because okay. we won't be around for a few weeks with the holidays. And are you going anywhere? Uh, just, just Illinois. Just like Illinois. Usual. Just yeah. Illinois. Yeah. That's right. Just, all right. Just I'll be going to Florida. Like just Florida. Oh, good for you. So there we go. So we'll see you when we get back. All right. See you in the future.